measuring sleep's really, really hard. And it's actually not only really, really hard, but it's essential because if you don't have good quality data, how can you manage any problem? So in order to manage any problem, it's real simple. You've got to be able to measure it. Now, if you think about your other parts of your life, your diet, your exercise, all the things that we know are important for our health, well, you have a pretty good recall of everything you ate for the last number of days. If somebody asked you today, what did you eat yesterday? You'd probably recall that pretty well. And you know if you had, you know, too many carbs and too much fat, and you know that. You're relatively aware of that. You know what exercise you did or didn't do. You can recall that with a high degree of reliability. You know if you are highly stressed or not highly stressed. You can recall that too, probably for the last number of days. But you have no idea what happens in your sleep because when we are asleep, we're not conscious. Welcome to the Data Binge Podcast, a library of discussions with technologists and business leaders focusing on the human relationship with technology. Three, two, one, deploy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. I'm going to start off by asking you a question, one that we get asked plenty of times throughout the day and and throughout the mornings, but a question that most of us don't think enough about. How did you sleep last night? How did you sleep? Really? Did you get good sleep? Did you get crappy sleep? And do you know why you got the sleep that you got? If you slept well, what do you think got you there? If you didn't sleep well, what's happening? What's going on? We all eat, we all drink, and we all breathe amongst some other very critical things we do as humans. But there's one thing we also all do in almost identical ways with fairly identical rituals, and that is sleep. Remarkably, it's something we all struggle with, measurably about 50% of the global adult population, but somehow we all continue to struggle with it, even as the market continues to fill with everything from nose strips to connected wearables and rings and even weight blankets. But how do we know what works and how do we find and engage a more personalized solution for sleep? This is a conversation about sleep and the technology that can help us understand how to improve it. Colin Lawler is the CEO of SleepScore Labs, a sleep technology organization located in Carlsbad, California, with the mission of helping people achieve more fulfilling lives and better long-term help through their best sleep. In this episode, I was really lucky to join Colin in person for a conversation in the beautiful sunny town of Carlsbad at the SleepScore Labs headquarters, and we got into topics I think will resonate with all of us. From the data trends around sleep that impact our health and wellness at the personal level, to the basic components of how technology and sleep come together, all the way through to the future of sleep and how we can better live more productive and fulfilling lives as platforms for sleep emerge. I really hope you enjoyed this discussion today. As you will see, Colin is full of energy. We have such a great conversation. He cares deeply about the mission of Sleep Score Labs and is completely energized around impacting billions of lives in the next decade as sleep becomes the final frontier for health, wellness, longevity, and happiness. The Sleep Score app is available for free. 
in both the App Store for Apple devices and on Google Play for Android users. Check it out. I use the app around five times a week and I love how it's helped me manage my sleep. You're gonna hear plenty of stories that I share in the discussion around some of the dynamics around my personal sleep habits and how it's impacting my life. But this is a really, really great conversation. Thank you for listening and we hope you get good sleep tonight. Now I bring you Colin Lawler. So Colin, we're here in your beautiful Carlsbad estate, which you call Sleep Score Labs. Why Carlsbad? Welcome, Derek. Well, besides the fact that Carlsbad is awesome and beautiful and so forth, actually, I lived in San Diego because I was moved here by ResMed from Ireland. And Carlsbad is near ResMed, which is headquartered closer to San Diego. But Carlsbad's got a tremendous tech infrastructure, environment, ecosystem, and it's a place where we found it great to hire people. So Carlsbad became our home. It's not too far from the airport. It's accessible to as far as southern part of Orange County, throughout San Diego County, but around Carlsbad itself, there's lots of great talent working in great companies, and it seems like a fantastic place to start from. I have some roots in Carlsbad because my first job right outside of undergrad was a company called 3E, Environmental Ecological, and something else with an E that sounded really great. <laughs> it was 3E, and it was off of Palomar Airport Road, yep. which was fantastic. You have all these Carl Strauss, all these wonderful breweries. But going back a little bit about getting out of college and going into your first job, you mentioned that you're Irish, obviously your, your accent. Yes. I got to take a little bit of a, a jab at you. And I was thinking to myself, okay, what appropriate Irish kind of joke can I bring to just open us up here? You know, what's it? And then I looked through your LinkedIn profile and I said, oh, I got it. Diageo, you were selling Guinness. I mean, it doesn't get (laughs) any more Irish than that. Can you talk to us about that first experience? Of course, of course. Well, actually, that experience started in Texas with an Anheuser-Busch distributor. And that came about because when I was a kid, I played the bagpipes. I don't tell this to too many people because uh, I say that it was George Bernard Shaw who said that a gentleman is a person that can play the bagpipes but doesn't. So in this particular case, I did, and I kind of paid my way through college with that, right? And part of that experience was a trip with the band to Fort Worth, Texas for St. Patrick's Day when I was a little tiny kid built some friendships there, and decided when I started college to ask for an internship one summer, came to work for some great people, learned a huge amount of things. And then I thought, well, if I can work for Anheuser-Busch in the United States, I can work for Guinness in Dublin. And so I reached out to Guinness in Dublin, and I got an internship the following summer. And it was a wonderful, wonderful company to learn from. And it was also a wonderful company to its staff and its team. But in particular, I found a wonderful mentor there. and. He's uh, subsequently passed away, but his name was Frank Kennedy. And he basically taught me so much because he was working in a part of the business that was coordinating multiple things, sales, marketing, operational infrastructure. And the company was in a process of transformation at that time and being reorganized and restructured. And it was such a wonderful place to start your career off. But yes, I was uh, selling beer. My father, who thankfully is still alive, he was so bitterly disappointed when I told him I decided to leave. (laughs) And, uh, you know, why did I leave? Well, 
at the end of the day, I, I imagined that many, many years later, I could work in Guinness, wonderful company, global company. I could thrive and grow and prosper. And over time, my parking space at the brewery in St. James's Gate might be just that little bit closer to the door, to the front door, you know, as you get more senior, you get more promoted and, and so forth. But really, that wasn't enough for me. I wanted to make new, exciting things happen. I wanted to be global faster and earlier. And so after about three and a half or four years, I decided to leave Guinness and then go forth into what has been an amazing adventure and journey that ultimately has me living at this late stage of my life in some respects in Southern California of all places. (laughs) Well, you're not too late, Colin. So give yourself a little credit. Well, I'm working on my sleep to make sure. (laughs) Absolutely. So amazing tie-in. So what is Sleep Score Labs? Who is Sleep Score Labs? What are you up to here? Well, at its heart, every person on the planet sleeps and needs to sleep, and they do it every day. About the only other thing that every person does every day is drink and mainly eat. But nobody does this, any activity like sleep every day. It's essential to every part of life. The challenge is that billions, I mean, billions of people woke up this morning tired all over the world, every time zone, right as we speak this moment, there are millions of people waking up tired. And that has a huge impact on their lives, productivity, long-term health. It's a huge, huge issue. What we do, Sleep Score Labs, we're focused on improving sleep for billions of people, leveraging data and science. Because the problem with sleep is there's a lot of hot air in the space. There is a lot of claims. There's a lot of products and services which are promising things. If you search sleep on Amazon, you'll find over 100,000 different products. And just because Tom or Mary gave it a five stars or no disrespect to the team at Amazon, but if some bot somewhere gave it five stars, that doesn't mean that the product actually improved anybody's sleep. There is not enough data and science about the interventions, and we aim to solve that problem, which in turn will help billions of people to sleep better. I mean, I'm so invested into this conversation because everything that you're talking about, and I've always been super concentrated on my sleep, the caffeine, the blue light, all the things that you think are smart things to do. I even won't mention their name, but I was using a a competitive product for a little while, thinking that the data was sound. Many, many times when I was using this product, I realized that I was getting 100% sleep or it was like the, the metrics were just blown through the roof and I was tired and I'm thinking to myself, okay, the data, something is off. Is this really work? Is this gimmicky? So, you know, using sleep tools. Now, of course, I use sleep score. You are kind enough to send me a sleep score max. So I have this device sitting on my tabletop next to my bed and we'll get into that later. But just this morning, I woke up. I got some decent sleep. I was kind of preparing for this discussion today. And, but, you know, my sleep score, I think, was 89. And we can get into sleep scores later, you know. So I was like, oh, this is great. I could tell exactly. I'm looking at it right now. My last night's sleep. I can't wait to jump into it. But my wife woke up and she didn't get the best night of sleep. And I asked her, honey, why, what's going on? She's like, oh, I just couldn't sleep. And I'm like, I feel great. I only slept six hours and 47 minutes, but I have a nice, a great sleep score. I got some REM and she's like, you were snoring. So immediately, I'm like, you know, immediately I go on Amazon. I got just literally this morning, I caught up in the Amazon. What am I going to do about my snoring? And it's just like, you don't know what to do. Yeah. And that's the challenge. You've described the challenge really, really well. 
And that's why there's such a big opportunity to make a difference here at scale. So starting off with the measurement, measuring sleep's really, really hard. And it's actually not only really, really hard, but it's essential because if you don't have good quality data, how can you manage any problem? So in order to manage any problem, it's real simple. You've got to be able to measure it. Now, if you think about your other parts of your life, your diet, your exercise, all the things that we know are important for our health, well, you have a pretty good recall of everything you ate for the last number of days. If somebody asked you today, what did you eat yesterday? You'd probably recall that pretty well. And you know if you had, you know, too many carbs and too much fat, and you know that. You're relatively aware of that. You know what exercise you did or didn't do. You can recall that with a high degree of reliability. You know if you are highly stressed or not highly stressed. You can recall that too, probably for the last number of days. But you have no idea what happens in your sleep because when we are asleep, we're not conscious. In fact, the whole purpose of the process of sleep is to disengage our minds so that this is a pretty amazing. You go to sleep in a soft, cuddly, warm, lovely place. But as soon as you do, trillions of cells inside your body get to work. And you don't understand that process. You can't physically remember it. You can't mentally remember it. It just happens. And how well it happens is a huge bearing on everything. So it's essential to be able to measure sleep because we cannot depend on humans' recall in order to understand what's really happening with sleep. So measuring it is hard. Then solving it is also hard, partially because it wasn't possible to measure things before. You've got to be able to measure at scale. And, you know, we believe that the measurement has to be accurate, but it also needs to be technology which doesn't impact the thing we're trying to measure. So if you've got uncomfortable things to wear or lie on and so forth, they have a risk of impacting your sleep. And we don't want to be doing things that might impact your sleep. So it's really essential that the measurement doesn't interfere with the thing we're trying to measure, sleep itself. But if you then go on into the, the various things that influence your sleep, well, there's a myriad of those. You know, and just think about it for a moment. You mentioned blue light. You mentioned stress. You mentioned your daily work life, whether your partner snores or not, whether you have a partner in the bed, if you have a kid coming into the bed in the middle of the night, is the temperature in your bedroom optimal? Is the air quality okay? Is there too much light, background noises in the environment if you live in a big city, all the way through to health conditions have a huge impact on your sleep quality, etc. There are a myriad of factors that influence your sleep. And so, those factors are often highly personal. So when you begin to think about that, you've got so many factors influencing your sleep, measuring it and measuring those factors, that's an essential part of trying to understand what's going on. And then you go to the solutions. Well, there's a myriad of those, you know, um, if you think about it, there are mattresses and there are pillows and there are CPAP machines and there are snoring devices, there are fragrances, there are creams, there are gels. There's air purification systems, there's white noise generators, alarms. there's stories yeah. and alarms, and there's an enormous number of solutions also making claims about improving your sleep. And the reality is that there is no one single solution that actually improves everybody's sleep. The answer is highly personalized. So when we think about that, what we think is measurement and data is critical so that we can help you understand your sleep and your issues, and then measuring the solutions in the real world and collecting scientific evidence and data about their impact is critical. 
And then we can put those two sets of data together and figure out what's going to help Derek with snoring, or more importantly, what's going to help Derek's wife with yes, snoring. Yes. Uh, you know, because that's it. So that is the mission, and it's a complex mission. It's a big mission, but it's one that requires data at scale and reliable data. Of course, I love data. You know, we're on the Data Binge podcast. So this is, this is a place that we love to live. I really enjoy when you say, and I think it was Peter Drucker. I've talked about his book many, many times to my audience, Effective Executive, et cetera. And it, you know, it's an older book, you know, 50 or 60 years old or so. And he talks about time management and one of these things I continuously talk about in the data realm. And he says, in order to optimize something, you have to diagnose it. You have to measure it so that you can management, so that you can make decisions on it. And you're kind of doing this from two realms. You have the personal data that's being ingested. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, Colin Lawler, Derek Russell, this is our personal data. Mm -hmm. But then again, you have this data at scale. So you're able to create models and create insights and things with this data at scale to then start to augment recommendations at the personal level. How did you get into this thing? I know you mentioned ResMed, just following your career a little bit. Like, why sleep? And how did this come about, this business? Oh, that's a great question. It goes back to a, another mentor I had in my early life. I spent some time in the management consulting business. And uh, my mentor at that time was another person I greatly respected. His name was Martin Chamberlain. And we would have to travel a lot together to our various clients. And we would talk about all sorts of esoteric things, I guess, at heart. I suppose I'm just a curious person. I'm really interested in how the world works and how things connect and don't connect and so forth. And he raised this topic when I was very young on one of our trips, which was, you know, Carl, he used to call me Carl. He said, you know, Carl, if we could do something about the eight hours that people spend asleep every night, and if we could get more out of that, we could double the size of the world economy. He used to say that, and we would speculate around that and talk about it. And I was always really interested in that. Then in later life, I, I moved on from the beer business to health and wellness company with a strong medical background in biomedical research. And at one point, my father was diagnosed with lung cancer. I was in Las Vegas. I had to rush home. And it was a really difficult time because I'd spent so many years in the air. I hardly spent any time with him and so forth. So it was a trigger for me to reevaluate things and spend some time with the people I love and care for. And so I, I stopped traveling for a while. I spent some time with my dad. And what was really interesting was anytime he didn't feel well, he went to sleep. He went to bed. And he said that there were two things that got him through. The first thing was he listened to his doctors and only his doctors. He didn't listen to all the speculation. He didn't do Dr. Google. He didn't do any of that. He listened to the experts. And the second, and he did what they said. And the second thing he did was slept. At every opportunity, when he wasn't feeling good, he slept it off. And you know, when you think about it, your mom probably told you, if you're not feeling well, sleep it off, go to bed, rest. Your teachers probably told you, if you've got a big exam, get some sleep. If you have a big problem, sleep on it, you know. So those dots began to connect for me. I was just fascinated by this. And thankfully, 14 years later, my dad is alive and doing really, really well, miraculously well. And he puts a lot of down to sleep. So then an opportunity arose with a tech company that was spun out of University College Dublin. 
which was called Biancomed, and they had developed this technology to measure sleep. And they were at the stage where they were beginning to explore commercial partnerships. Their first commercial partnership was with a company in Japan. I had a very extensive experience in Japan, so I joined them to help them with a particular problem. At that time, I was actually leading a, a major political campaign in Ireland to do with the European Union. We'll come back to that some other time. But anyway, I joined to help out, but I was really interested in the idea that this thing that Martin said could change the scale of the world economy, and we used to talk about it. Then my dad's evidence at the micro level was it certainly played a huge role in his recovery. And then this company in Dublin figured out how to measure it. And I was going, wow, okay, all these dots connect. This is going to be exciting. We then sold that company to ResMed, and then I joined ResMed, and then I learned a lot more about the medical parts around sleep, obstructive sleep apnea, and how that impacts so many people and how it's not yet diagnosed at scale. And so the journey really began through that process. So it's been in my mind for a long time. The last thing I'll say, which I think is just, it's, it's a very personal thing for me, and it's no disrespect to any other business, but I feel like for me, I want to make a difference. You know, I want to make a difference. And I think being able to work in the health and wellness area is very gratifying for people who want to make a difference. Now, I can't make a difference in genomics because I'm not a genomic scientist. I can't make a difference in oncology because I'm, I'm not a doctor. But I've learned a lot about sleep over the last 14 years. And every time I turn around and wake up every day and I read something else and the latest in the research and our own team is advancing the research all the time, I realize this is a place where I can make a difference along with the people I work with. And that's what gets us up every day. There is going to be a massive global business with Sleep Score Labs, but the mission to make a difference is kind of what drives us. And we are so excited about that because it's a place that we can actually make a difference at global scale. You don't get that opportunity in your life very often. Yeah. So this is the one. So there's so much there. When you think about sleep technology, and we're in this world of connected devices, and there's X amount of connected devices that are all these different characters say, Gartner says there's going to be X trillion. It just changes all the time, right? You know, I'm wearing a, an iWatch. There's many, many connected devices in this room that we're in today. You have like things like the Aura Ring and all these different kind of technologies. How does one even understand what's working? Right. That's, a, that's another great question. And I guess I kind of think about it in several ways. So, so first of all, there are more and more. Well, let's talk specifically about sleep for a moment. So first of all, the tracking and measurement capabilities are getting better. And we hope they continue to get much, much better because the standards have been highly mixed. You know, the reality is that, as I said at the beginning, measuring sleep is really, really difficult. And the only way you can do that is to measure your technology against the gold standard polysomnography. And that means a hospital sleep lab. And that means that you need to do a very, very large number of studies in those sleep lab environments where you've got your technology collecting the data on many different types of people all around the world. Because the gold standard is itself very complex. If you're a tech company coming into that environment without the resolve and the budget and the scale and the time, you just cannot do that well. 
It's no disrespect to anybody who's really, really good at measuring somebody's heart rate or number of steps or the, the miles that you run or things of that nature. They're all really essential things and, and they have been used to motivate people to become more active. That's great. But when it comes to sleep, it's very, very hard to do. We initially, through ResMed and then SleepScore Labs, have developed the most robust ways to do that. And more and more technologies are going to get better. And in fact, I say to the people in Aura and to Fitbit and all those other companies, we will help you because it's in our interest jointly to make sure that the data that people get around their sleep is sufficiently accurate to be useful. That's really important. And we want to do that. However, our focus is what to do with the data, because that's the challenge. So you get a report which tells you, you didn't sleep well. The question is what to do about that, the so what question. So what if I'm not sleeping well or if I'm sleeping relatively well, what the hell do I do next? That's what matters. And that's what we devote ourselves to. So we collect accurate data. Yes, we do. We go beyond sleep tracking, though. And what we focus on is how to improve sleep. And the answer is it depends. It's highly personal. So it starts with an understanding of your sleep. So that's where the data is useful. But then it connects you. It's about connecting you to the appropriate solution. So the way I think about that is you think about the sleep market. What are all the things that can be helpful that we talked about a little earlier? Well, think about them now as verticals. So you've got a huge obstructive sleep apnea treatment vertical, which is CPAP devices and machines, and ResMed's the global leader in that space. But then you also have another vertical, which is in pharmacological interventions, which are prescription driven. So you've got all the hypnotics and other sleeping pills, which are sold by pharma companies. It's a separate vertical. But then you have what we call here in the United States, food supplements. Now, you know, in some countries, those food supplements, particularly substances like melatonin, are highly regulated, but in the United States, they're not. So it's widely available. So these food supplements, everything from melatonin to valerian, it's another vertical, completely different from the other two, right? Then you have mattresses, which are really important because the surface that you sleep on has a huge impact on the quality of your sleep. So mattresses is another vertical. Then you have the soft goods, the bedding, the blankets, all those things, another vertical. Then you have CBTI coaching programs or cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia programs, white noise machines, alarms to wake you up, fragrances, etc., etc., etc. Everyone operates in its own distinct vertical. The reality is to get a person horizontal for longer, to get a better quality sleep, to improve your life every day and long-term health prospects, well, you have to connect the dots between those verticals. Because if you have obstructive sleep apnea, and you're successfully treated for that. And please, if you think you have apnea, whoever's listening to this, please get it treated. It is so important. It has a huge impact on your quality of life. But when you do that, you still need a comfortable mattress. If your bedroom's too hot, you still won't sleep as well. You've got to connect all the dots. And similarly, if you have a comfortable mattress, but you're snoring and it's keeping your partner awake, that's not going to work for either of you. So when you put all of those things together, that's where we think about this. It's about what do we need to do for Derek or Colin to help improve your sleep? And the answer is it depends. If you have sleep, sleep apnea, you must be diagnosed and treated. If you have an uncomfortable bed, you need to do something about that. If the temperature is too hot, you need to do something about that. If you're overly stressed, you need to do something about that. And what we do is we leverage the data and the science to help you figure out what you should do for you ultimately, personalized interventions. 
And that's where the data is so critical, because this part of your life, you've no idea what's happening about your sleep. You know, no idea really what's happening, what's influencing it and so forth. And you don't have the data because you can't trust five-star reviews to tell you you should take this supplement. We need data on the science, and we basically connect those dots. So our focus and mission at Sleep Score Labs is about sleep improvement grounded in the data and the science and figuring all of that out so that you don't have to. That's the goal. And we know that there's lots of great solutions, and we know that there are a myriad of issues solving that and connecting the dots for people so that they can be horizontal for longer means that we have to connect the verticals in the market to the data and science that they need to get their products working and optimally and understanding for whom they work, but also helping the consumer to connect the two, three or four dots that they need to improve their sleep ultimately. And that's kind of how I see it. It's like we are connecting the dots across all the verticals that actually have a meaningful impact on your sleep. And so it's taking the data and figuring out what to do with it. I mean, it's not a small problem. Like you said, millions of people waking up. My wife is just one of them. I, you know, I could have slept better last night. I could have, my sleep score could have improved. And I was just catching up and doing a little research on on you as a person. And, and we've had many conversations, but you appear in this pretty fun podcast last year with Jill Gilbert was the anti-aging uncensored podcast. <laughs> and I mean, you were getting into, you know, women and aging and menopause and health issues. And one of the things that you visited that was just a big learning for me is that women snore and women mm -hmm. also have sleep apnea. It's not, yes. it's not just a disease that men have. My mom's brother, he passed away from sleep apnea because he wasn't using his machine. Mm -hmm. He starved his brain over a number of months or even years until he started having cognitive issues and yep. breathing, et cetera. And he ended up passing away and it wasn't, it wasn't a, a very peaceful. Oh, sorry. Yeah. And that was just from, some, from sleep apnea, something that no one was ever thinking is, why is it, you know, using your machine, is that even important? That's like a hard thing and you have this huge obstructive device and there's other folks in my family that have to use that. So you have the sleep apnea folks, you have over 50% of the adult global population are challenged with sleep is another kind of mm -hmm. stat that you talked about and that could have changed since then. A third of all adults in the world have problems with nightly sleep and the CDC has addressed sleep as the number one unaddressed health issue. So there's a, a massive problem. And you talked about kind of spreading your insights or recommendations on solutions across these verticals. You know, how do you do that? Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, standing back from it, all the stats you called out are absolutely right. And just, just wanted to just mention something. So going back to the process of sleep itself, it's a magical wondrous and still partially mysterious process. We do know that trillions of cells inside your body get to work. We do know that those cells, as they are getting to work, they flush the toxins from your brain, beta amyloid. So if you, for example, they've conducted experiments most recently on, on mice, not yet in humans fully, to show that basically when you sleep longer and better, you clear more of those toxins from your brain. The theory being that those toxins build up and they break the synapses and they make it harder for your brain essentially to make all those connections. And if you just think about that, while you are asleep, if you are sleeping, that is cleaning your brain. But also when you're in deep sleep, the human growth hormone is being created. Human growth hormone goes around your body and helps you to repair 
any damage, wear and tear on your system. If you deprive yourself of sleep, you're not clearing the toxins, you're not creating the human growth hormone. If you deprive yourself of sleep, you're also not creating the hormones leptin and ghrelin, which are all about regulating your appetite. So the picture you begin to see when you think about this is that every part of your system from the head to the toe during sleep, a magical process happens and trillions of cells are working hard all night long. You consolidate your memories, your learning. Learning is absolutely exemplified during quality sleep. So when you think about that, it's actually driving or supporting almost everything. Professor Matthew Walker calls it your superpower. Sleep is your superpower. There is no doubt about it. That is the case. Now, then you think about a condition like apnea. What's happening? Well, what is happening is your airway is getting blocked. And because of that, you're choking. So the person with apnea chokes. And I mean, choking is just generally not good, right? You can imagine that. But when you have the airflow interrupted, you then have a drop in the oxygen level going around your body. Now, just think about that. The oxygen needs to go to all parts of your body as part of the blood flow. If you're depriving your body of oxygen, you know how significant that that can be. So if you're choking 14, 15, 16, up to 60, 70, 80 times per hour during sleep, two things are happening. You're depriving your system of oxygen. But also, when that happens, you choke, you go, and usually the person kind of Mm -hmm. semi wakes up. Mm -hmm. So that person never gets into deep sleep or rarely gets into deep sleep or certainly doesn't get sufficient sleep. So when you think about that, whether it's insomnia, whether it's, in my case, I've got a condition called restless leg syndrome, which we'll come back to, whether it's sleep apnea, all told, as many as a third of us have one or other of those problems. Or it's just jet lag, shift work, stress, life, kids, environment, or all of those things combined. Anything that deprives you of sleep is not good. And what we have to do is to help people to figure out what to do about that. The great news is that there are solutions, there are therapies, and there are products and services that help you to sleep better. However, there is insufficient data and science behind all of those. So we're literally running scientific studies and publishing the results of those studies all the time on everything. We've learned huge amounts about, for example, at scale, the impact of temperature on sleep. Generally, cooler is better. We've learned a huge amount on the impact of air quality on sleep. Generally, air quality has a massive impact on sleep. We've learned about the mattresses and your pillows. We've learned about the value or the need to control environmental noises, stress, etc., etc. So we're learning all the time about the products and services and solutions using data and science that we can trust. You see, if you can't trust the measurement, you can't trust the conclusion. So it's really, really important the measurement has to be good enough for that. And it, it is. And so we've been learning a lot. So Solving the issue for all of us, for humanity, is about trying to understand what is disrupting or taking away or stealing people's sleep, and how do we help them to overcome that problem with interventions that are scientifically proven to be effective. That's at the heart of what we're trying to do. What that means is lots and lots of studies. We're running more studies than any other company in the world right now on sleep interventions, and we have very robust 
processes for running those studies. And we're running those studies more and more at scale. And all of those produce insights. At the same time, we're collecting scaled environmental data from the people who are participating in the program from our customers. And many of our customers are like me. They know how important this is and they contribute to our mission to help improve sleep for everybody by helping us to learn from the, the data, anonymized data, what factors influence people's sleep and so forth. So that's how we do it. It's really intervention by intervention, rigorous scientific study. It's leveraging data in the wider environment that we can trust, totally trust, and all of those factors and putting those two things together with data and science and AI and other technologies to leverage those insights so that we can make our recommendations and algorithms better and better and better every time. And, you know, we've got to a point where we've got critical mass on that at Sleep Score Labs, but we are not finished. We're still at the beginning because as long as there is 100,000 products being sold and 99,970 of them have no scientific data behind them, we have a job to do. That's how I see it. So it's solving it at that level. That's a big level. There's a lot going on there. Yeah. I really like and I, when we were just, I think we were catching up in preparation for this podcast and we probably could have just recorded that little back and forth because we were going on some great things. And we talked about Matthew Walker. Yeah. We talked about his book, Why We Sleep. I didn't read the book, but I caught Peter Atia's three-part special. I think he, he interviewed Matthew Walker and he's got a fabulous accent as well. And he went deeply into a lot of data, but one of the key visuals, and you just mentioned it right now, and I have to just underline it. One of the key visuals he provided was when we're sleeping, folks can imagine the swelling of your brain goes down and then there's this washing of this detritus toxins away from your brain. So it's like, seeing a city full of skyscrapers and then reducing the size of the skyscrapers and having the ocean come and wash the streets clean of all these different toxins. And it was, it was a visual that s stuck with me. And I even remember just the education around this because after that podcast episode that I listened to, I went to my, I think my mom was wanting to take the kids out yeah, you know, grandma at the park time, you know, she wanted to take the kids out and she wanted to just kind of punch through their naps. And I had to sit down with her. I said, mom, there's important to sleep. And she's like, well, you know, you didn't sleep all that much when you were, I'm like, well, this is what, and I literally took a marker to a, a whiteboard and said, mom, this is what happens. And I drew the visual that was depicted in that podcast. So there's so much opportunity for education yeah. for highly educated people let alone the rest of the population that just isn't paying attention to it. So when you think about Sleep Score as a business, you said that, you know, you've been tracking, like, who, who is your customer? You mentioned kind of tracking data, and that's something you've been doing, but then you've been kind of focused on this providing of recommendations. Who is the customer and who is the recommendations going out to? And, and how are you thinking about getting this out at scale to people like, like myself? And That's a great question. And that kind of brings us to the heart of our strategy. And again, let me kind of back up a little bit. So, and one of the reasons why I love and greatly respect the team at ResMed is we recognize that if we really want to have impact at scale, like significant global scale, by improving sleep for more than a billion people, we will not be able to do that alone. There's no one 40 plus billion dollar market cap company in any one of the verticals that can do this alone. Nobody can do it alone. 
And as a startup tech company, we deeply specialize in sleep and only sleep. We eat, drink, and sleep, sleep, I like to say. That's all we do. Uh, but that's a lot to do, right? Mm-hmm. Given all the factors we just talked about. So our strategy is to place our technology and our insights inside the hands of the companies that already reach those billions of consumers. So we are a B2B to C model. We are about understanding sleep, building the technology and the platform, and then making that available to the companies that reach huge numbers of consumers. Those companies, a great example is Mattress Firm. Mattress Firm is the largest retailer of mattresses in the world. It's an amazing company. Their people are amazing. If you have not been to a store, go try it out. You will be very impressed. I challenge you to find a better more educated, more informed, and less pressurized environment in retail today. You won't find it anywhere in the world. They are an exceptional group of people. So Mattress Firm wants to have the technology and the insights to help their customers to sleep better, not just when they need a mattress, but for life. And so we place our technology and our platform, our knowledge, our science, our education, our content, everything at their disposal to help them to do that. And that is a way that we can reach millions and millions of Americans to begin with. And that is the heart of our strategy. So we are working already with some of the largest companies in the world in a whole variety of places. Mattress Firm, we have uh, publicly talked about that. Another partnership I can talk about is International Flavors and Fragrances, IFF. Now, most of your listeners may not have heard of the company, but the company is also a $40 billion market cap company, and they make the ingredients that go inside CPG products. So when you uh, woke up this morning and had a shower, you were probably using a product that IFF made the ingredients for from your favorite brand the emulsifiers to make your skin feel soft, the fragrances and the smell of the scent, the taste and the toothpaste. IFF is a global leader in that space, and they're very committed to the science and the technology. And so we work with them to develop ingredients that improve sleep by using our platform right from the beginning. We operate sleep research organization, an SRO, a bit like a clinical research organization, but our mission is to help companies figure out what claims they can make about their products, whether their products are working or not, and then we can advise them on improvements as well. So all of these things, they're examples of partnerships, but it's about deploying the platform, the expertise, the knowledge and sleep, which can't be matched to the companies that reach the consumers. And that's how we'll get to a billion plus people. We cannot, nobody can do it alone, but together we can actually change the world. And that's what we're doing, partnership by partnership by partnership. And that's really at its heart, the strategy. And that strategy was very hard for me to understand when I first started to look at the application that, you know, you can download on your iPhone. I've been into a mattress firm. I've seen, you know, powered by sleep score labs and there's on their pillows and all around the store. And I started to think, and I know the brand. So I started to think to myself, that's interesting. So what you're talking through is this, this intermediary, you're really a data utility, a sleep data utility that's providing all this data at scale and then giving it to folks to build applications, to make products better, to ingest it into their their organizational strategy so that they can start to pay more attention to a pandemic, if you will, of folks not able to sleep on a global scale. Right. 
I think if I add a little to that, just so you're absolutely right, our strategy is to, you know, it costs fifty million dollars to develop and improve and get to this point the core measurement technology. Now, if you put a fifty million dollar barrier in front of the world's companies, you're just not going to get it done at scale. So what we believe is we've invested it originally in ResMed and, and then in SleepScore Labs, the best technology platform in the world in this space. And now it's about making it deployable easily. So it's really, really important that it's easy to deploy and that we remove the barriers and companies don't have to spend the five or 10 years we've spent figuring it all out because that's not going to make a difference to people. What's going to make a difference to people is how do they improve their sleep personally? So deploying the platform and putting it inside what people do is absolutely what we do. But we, we go one step further, which is we help them to use it because people are not expert on sleep. Our partners typically that we work with are not expert on sleep. They are expert on their vertical, they're expert in their product category, but they're not expert connecting all those dots. And what we do is we bring that expertise to make it useful so that we can deliver improvements to the consumer that we can all stand over and be proud of. You know, we work with health insurers, we work with employers, we work with CPG companies, we work with retailers, we work with companies who are committed to helping their customers and connecting their customers to solutions that work around sleep for all sorts of reasons. And we, we provide the technology that they can use, but not only passively, we do more than that. For us, it's about making sure that together we deliver the end outcome. And that's really important for us. So the end outcome is better sleep that we can statistically and significantly stand over. We're here to improve sleep. We're not just here to provide content and interesting features for products. We're here to improve sleep. That's our focus and our mission. Um, so we go further than just, look, here's a technology, put it inside your business and good luck. We go all the way through to help our partners leverage the technology to deliver real value for their customer, which ultimately is going to improve the sleep of their customers. So together we can make that difference. And we believe that by doing that, our partners will be trusted by their consumers because we always do stuff that's grounded in the data and the science. Creating a standard. Correct. The yep. standard. And the standard's very, very, very important. You know, any startup or company, there are quick book methods. And no disrespect again, but lots of companies make all sorts of, in inverted commas, hot air claims around their products when it comes to sleep. They've had to do that because there was no platform to help them. So I don't believe that most companies are out there to screw the consumer. They want to get great products out there, but it was really hard to measure until we built a sleep research organization where we can measure it quickly and help people figure out, well, what is this product actually doing to people's sleep and what claims can I really make and what can I do to make my product better? So we, we think that the companies that care want to adopt the standard to improve the sleep of their end consumers. And when they do, that's a customer for life. Because if I can trust you with my sleep tonight, I'm going to trust you with my sleep for the rest of my life and the sleep of my family. It's about trust. That trust is something we're building, which is long term. There's a lot of ways to, to do a quick book, to advertise, to all sorts of things, but we don't. What we focus on is the improvement and we ground it in the data and the science at a standard.
and I get excited about this. You know, I work in the in the data world. You know, mm-hmm. as, a, as a I don't want to call myself a technologist, but I love technology, and I'm constantly surrounded around data and ecosystems and platforms. And what I'm seeing for the first time is that the way that I see what you guys are building this platform this utility platform, a standard, something that people need that is critical for their, almost like turning on a water faucet or something like that. This data that's coming out of it is is very critical for folks to live a better life. There's also kind of opportunities when I think about like climate change or, you know, plenty of other types of areas where there's so much complication and, and kind of putting all that data together and start to understand signals and to test these signals and to verify these signals so we can start making better decisions. It's really this data problem. And have you guys thought about ingesting other types of data, partnering with other types of suppliers and consumers and creating a data marketplace almost where you're the custodian and the governor of this data and how it's used and maybe even creating recommendations and insights. But opening it up for others to kind of contribute and to consume, it sounds like it's almost that. Right. Yes. In essence, we see that the platform we are building will pull in trustworthy data from multiple sources. Yeah. But trustworthy data is key because if we take in inaccurate data, we will make inaccurate recommendations. So it's really important. That's why I said to those companies who are doing a tremendous job at developing and improving all sorts of tracking devices and technologies, we will help you with the sleep part because we're the sleep people, right? And we understand that we know how difficult it is because it's in our interest to work with you. Our focus is on helping you and your customers to use the data to improve their sleep. So our vision is that we will absolutely take data in, but only data that we can trust. And there's, you know, that's something that we got to work on together and it's getting better and better out there, but only data we can trust because this is a life impacting series of recommendations we are going to make to people, right? And we cannot have data that you can't trust driving recommendations to people. Then it is actually not going to deliver the outcomes. And that's what's really important here. We want to help people sleep better because we know if we do, almost everything to do with their lives will improve. Their daily experience, how they look, their risk of a road traffic accident in the morning, their creativity at work, their relationships, their ability to concentrate in the afternoon, all the way through to their long-term health, their risk of diabetes, cancer, cardiovascular disease, any other met- metabolic syndrome, disease, hypertension, et cetera, et cetera. The relationship with your kids <laughs> yeah. as a parent. The superpower Certainly. is so important. Yeah. So we're not going to and can't use untrustworthy data. The data has to be trustworthy. That's the first thing. And then, of course, we've got to understand what the relationships are between things. We are already collecting data, both from our users and from other systems, uh, for example, around fitness and activity levels, around environmental data, and we'll talk about climate change in a moment, etc. All of those things. So yes, we absolutely see ourselves as being people who partner with people that have trustworthy data to help them and us to figure out how to leverage that data to improve people's lives through sleep. That's what we do. We do not see this as a job that we can do by ourselves. The very reason why we spun out of ResMed was because it's going to take a small group of us 
companies working together to change the world, but we can. This, this is the thing. We can make an enormous difference. So yes, we will absolutely work with other data sources once the data is trustworthy and we'll work to add value so that the consumer's life can be improved. And that's, that's a really fundamental part of the vision. It's truly a platform business that you're empowering these other businesses who are maybe not building on your platform, but using insights of your platform to then build their own tools and their own I'm just thinking about like a, like a Peloton, you know, coming right. to you to get some type of sleep data so that they can understand exercise regimen and intensity and heart rate and all these things and how that impacts sleep at some point in their, in the customer's oh, journey. Oh yeah, you know, that's a great example. So the company in the fitness space like Peloton, the experience that they deliver to their consumer and the improvement in the outcomes from that consumer is absolutely impacted on by the person's sleep and just like every other part of health and fitness currently it's ignored because it was hard it was actually very difficult to do so for that customer first of all how i sleep has a huge impact on my ability to perform physically in any activity there is peloton collects data about the performance the activity we collect data about sleep put those two things together drives insights about improving the outcomes for fitness also, the converse is true. If I exercise too much at the wrong time, that has a huge impact on my sleep as well. Yep. And so how do we provide advice to Derek or to Colin about improving my life? Well, it's about combining those two data sets. And we understand through content, advice, services, and products, what to recommend to you to improve the sleep part. Peloton understands what to do around the exercise part, combining those services together is exactly where we have to go. Absolutely. We're the sleep people. We're sleep score labs inside whatever you do to help your customers. Same goes in the weight loss area. The number one predictor of a person's ability to lose weight is actually their sleep quality. If you can improve their sleep quality, you can improve that. And the last thing I was going to say, and I could talk about this forever, but we've just run a really, really very, very interesting pilot and study, which we won't talk about too publicly, but I'll share with you a couple of statistics. By combining a very modest incentive with our program, we have shown that we can increase people's engagement with platforms so far that it's as much as 10x what they could do by themselves. This is a particular partner. But what, where I get very excited is we have shown that we can statistically improve sleep for those participants, which is huge. But we've also shown that we can substantially improve those people's activity. Now, why is that? Well, it's because if we work on sleep, which everybody has forgotten, we can help people to feel better and perform better and perform more. And if we help them to exercise more, we will ultimately, of course, help them to be more in control of their diet, more in control of pretty much every aspect of their health and wellness. We believe that sleep has been the missing ingredient of everything to do with health and wellness and healthcare. So we know that if you have your sleep under control, you will recover. Like my dad, I believe this. We don't have all the data yet, but we're working on collecting that data. My dad recovered because his sleep helped him to recover. So whether you are already diagnosed with a chronic condition or whether you want to avoid getting a chronic condition, sleep is the ingredient that 
everybody has missed. It's why the CDC called it out as one of the largest unaddressed needs in health, human health. And so we believe that it has been the missing ingredient. And what we want to do is partner with the diabetes companies and the oncology companies and the pharmaceutical companies and the devices companies and the bedding companies to help them bring sleep into their offering to the consumer. It will deliver better outcomes for everybody. That's such an, I mean, I, I love this thread and, and kind of the position of this strategy. It's just, it's super clear kind of where you're focused. Just quick question. When you say engagement increased 10x, mm -hmm. so for instance, whatever product or whatever platform or application or whatever this potential organization is focused on, the sleep insights are creating more opportunities to reach their customer? Ah, yeah, that's a great question. So let me, let me back up a little bit. There's been massive investment in programs to encourage people to manage their nutrition. There has also been and continues to be massive investment in encouraging people to be more active. And today, there's also massive investment in encouraging people to think about mental health, right? There are billions and billions of dollars being spent on by governments and being spent by companies for their employees and being spent by companies targeting each of those individual things, right? However, because they've missed sleep as part of the offering, you've got two things going on. People are jaded and tired of yet another nutrition program. People are jaded and tired of yet another fitness program. So the participation levels are under pressure. The ROI is just not there, right? And the reason we believe it's not there is because the missing ingredient sleep has been ignored. What we have found is when we offer a sleep program as part of those things, number one, the take-up rate for those things substantially improves. In other words, people actually want sleep help. And we know that because we know that as many as half of the population have a problem with sleep almost every night of their lives, which is an enormous number. They need help. They want the help. So when you offer it to them, aligned with your program, you have this huge need to do something about that. But when we sign them up and we combine a couple of very clever incentives, which we've been learning more and more about, what we find is we engage them. Now, if a typical health and wellness application, as you take, take that as an example, um, after one month, they might engage between 8 and 10%, right? After 30 days, essentially, they lose 90% of their users. We're at a point with this combination of our program plus the incentive, et cetera, we are achieving 76% engagement after six months. And guess what? Those people that are engaged slept better, and we can statistically show and point to that. But those people were also more active in the fitness program. And therefore, the conclusion that we're arriving at is if you just think about sleep and build those services into your fitness offering, you will deliver better fitness outcomes. The same applies in nutrition, the same applies in mental health, we believe. And we think that this, in many senses, is about unlocking the value. So, you know, all these billions of dollars are being spent, all these programs are chasing people in their narrow verticals. But the truth is, because they've forgotten about sleep, which connects everything, because everybody does it every day. They are underpowered. 
when you add sleep, you unlock that potential and deliver much, much more value. That's what we believe. And we're getting closer and closer to being able to prove it. That's what's so exciting, you know, and, you know, proof ultimately is key. Um, The data is key. It's just so evident just because I don't know when I started tracking my sleep, but it it must have been a number of years ago, maybe four or five years ago, started thinking about sleep. It's always been a, it's an ongoing challenge, I think for everybody. And then you're yeah. doing the alcohol and the wine and, you know, I love alcohol. I'm not an alcoholic, but if two drinks a night, like, you know, you, you consume that, it's you know, a good bottle of red wine, yeah. you know, two IPAs, boom, you're already knocked. The next day, you're not your normal self. And when I, you start noticing these patterns when I'm not having a drink during the weekend or during the weekday after a hard day, I feel like a superstar the next day. So I personally react very adversely to alcohol and to, to blue light and to stress or certain things that I kind of react to. When you think about, I think people at like, and I'm going to kind of focus on this sleep score mm-hmm. application that you, you've kind of let the public take. And obviously you can download it. There's a phone version. There's a device, a sleep score max, I think that you offer as well. I have one of those. I'm getting these these metrics and and it's kind of categorizing, I think, five areas I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. It's sleep duration, time to fall asleep, light sleep, deep sleep, REM, REM sleep. And it's tracking this and I get a, a body score and a mind score and it gives you this sleep score. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is just having this data has absolutely changed my life just because you can approach every situation. Like when my sleep score is low, I'm like, damn, I'm going to have a shitty day today. <laughs> you know, or I know I didn't sleep and I look, go look at my score hoping that it's high. No, but it's an 83, you know, 81, 79. I didn't sleep that well. And you can start making these mental correlations between your performance and then you can start over indexing on the value of sleep. So if you have these these things coming up, your you know, son's birthday party, you're going out and spending the evening with your wife, you want to get a good night of sleep so you can really show up in your most authentic self. So when you share these like statistics of unveiling kind of these programs around sleep and how it's increasing the productivity of these participants. I believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think folks aren't looking at those data enough, but you're really focusing. You take it back two, three, you know, two decades or whenever you're having these conversations with, with Martin. You know, you're starting to now increase the yield of the world because yes. of these different things. Yes. Um, yes. Can you talk a little about this app? Yeah. You know what? What is this app, and what's the vision for this app? Yeah. So, why does a B two B to C company have an app of its own? Well, that's because we've leveraged the app to collect data to understand sleep so that we can help people. So we will always continue to do that. But the main goal is to put that technology inside what other people do. So you will see very soon partnerships launching their own apps, their own brand powered by SleepScore. We provide the technology, we provide the platform, and we help their consumers. Talk specifically about the app. It's thoroughly amazing. And that's, I'm a modest Irish guy. I don't, you know, toot my own horn that much, but the technology, it's not mine. It's a team's effort. The technology is unbelievably amazing. And what we have figured out here is how to convert your smartphone into a biomotion sensor by using sonar or sound waves just above the range of human hearing. So we don't wake you up. 
But what we're able to do is we're able to emit a sound wave from the speaker at the base of your phone. It goes to your body and it comes back to the microphone and we're not listening to audio. There's no audio processing. What we are actually doing is measuring the feedback time for any sound wave and we emit them all night long through this process. It's completely harmless, completely safe, completely invisible to you. But what that means is we can measure every breath you take all night long. We can measure all your body movements. So we've got the combination of a detailed picture of your respiration, rate, pattern, along with the detailed picture of all the body movement. And those two things enable us to accurately measure sleep. This is the only, I mean, only validated, scientifically proven and published in a journal which has been peer reviewed by experts. It is the only validated technology that is available to use today as a free app. You don't need a wearable. You don't need to sleep on anything. You don't need just that app. And what it will do is it will give you a reliable picture of your sleep. Once you set it up on your bedside table, you point it towards your upper body, um, it does the rest. And we, we collect that data continuously all night long. It has taken us now 14 years you know, to get that technology to the point where it is now ubiquitously available. So the vision here is really simple. How are we going to reach billions of people? Well, we're never going to convince them all to buy this particular piece of hardware or that particular piece mm -hmm. of hardware, but 3 billion people already have a smartphone. So why not leverage that technology to figure out their sleep and help them? And that's what we're doing. So, you know, the technology is a breakthrough because there's no barrier to giving people access to their sleep data. And we think that it's like, it's almost, you've, you've got a right to breathe, you've got a right to live, you should have a right to sleep, and you should have a right to understand it. So that app is free. Anybody in the world can have that free. It will be as free for as long as we're around. It's part of our mission and our vision. We offer services that we charge for, yes, but the data, that should be yours. And you can have that tonight. Whoever we're talking with uh, tonight or uh, today listening to this podcast, you can download the Sleep Score app anywhere in the world. It's free. And that will give you an understanding of your sleep. And generally speaking, I, you know, a couple of other things that are important to note. We built this technology over many years. You know, we validated it. We've scientifically tested it and measured it. The score is sophisticated. But we don't want to bore you with all the details about everything that happened with your sleep every 30 seconds all night long. We measure all of that, but we want to make it simple and easy for you to understand. And typically speaking, if your sleep is at or about 78 or above, your sleep's relatively good. If your sleep is below 78, it's not as good. And what we are doing in both of those cases is understanding why and therefore what to do, because the why is just as important as the data itself. So what are the drivers? We ask questions and collect other data, which help us to understand why. So in my case, I almost always have lower sleep scores than you because I have restless leg syndrome. And what happens as you get older with restless leg syndrome is your legs kick. It really bugged my wife. So like your wife, um, <laughs> <laughs> our sleep has an impact on our partners. Getting that problem under control required me to have data and to test things. That's part of my own insight here is that, you know, if you think about it, a person with restless leg syndrome often will go to their doctor, they'll get a prescription eventually, they'll start taking the prescription, they still don't know if the prescription's working or not. I was very lucky. I had the sleep score technology when I started my journey, 
And I could see that the first drug that I was given, not only did it not work, it made my sleep worse. Because it's probably impacting hormone, all these other different factors, not attached to your leg or whatever it's causing that. Yeah. Absolutely. So what I have figured out for me, and then, you know, by the way, if anybody has restless leg syndrome, first thing to check out is the iron levels in your blood. If for many people, iron is too low and therefore a supplement is sufficient to largely control the problem, right? Um, in my case, that's unfortunately not the case. It's a neurological disorder. I have figured out a regime for me that involves four different things. All four of them work for me and they have improved my sleep score by about 20 points on a night from 50s to and 60s to 70s and 80s. I'm unfortunately going to be struggling to get 100, but that's okay. It's certainly much, much, much better. And the point is that without the data, how the hell do you know what works and what doesn't work? You don't. Right? You don't. So what we want to do is we want to avoid people having to go through that process so that we can collect the data at scale, and then we can make recommendations faster and easier for people. So we don't want to create a huge tax on people having to get involved in all the ins and outs of, of their sleep architecture minute by minute. They can certainly do it because the technology measures it. Our goal is to advise you what to do. So the that's where the content comes in. That's where the advice comes in. That's where coaching services come in. That's where products that might be helpful for a given condition come in. It's about helping you to navigate that and improve. And the great thing is you have a, a feedback loop here. And that's really important. The feedback loop, which is, I know my baseline, I make an intervention, and I can see what, if any result, it's happening. Yeah. 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 It, and just kind of just a, some lasting thoughts just with the app that I've noticed that I liked. And sometimes I don't like it mm -hmm. when I'm, it's Friday night and I'm on my, on my second small glass of whiskey and I, you know the kids are asleep and i'm just nestling in and i get an alert and it says from from sleep score it says derek you know you should start packing it up time to go to bed because this is typically your bedtime and i'm like i gently curse myself and the app and everyone else that was you know in the environment of, of my sleep and then i dump out my my drink or I drink some water, or I turn off the Netflix, or I come in from the garage where I've been working on my car, or I do whatever I'm, I augment my behavior to honor this notification because I know it's right. And I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, it's like mom coming and saying, you know, knocking on the door, time to go to bed. But you know, she's doing that for your best welfare, as well as I think I may have seen it here or just studying kind of some of the materials that we have. But I think I got some content that said, to, for me to exercise later in the evening because later in the evening is going to be better for my hormonal levels or something to the degree of me being able to sleep better versus in the morning. So there's all these little tiny tidbits of information that are, maybe I don't follow them all, but they're nudges in the right direction for me to get better sleep. And we, we feel like that's like really critical. There's just no point in telling everybody thou shalt not have any coffee Thou shalt not have any alcohol. Thou shalt always be in bed by 10, etc., etc., etc. That doesn't work. What we're trying to do is to help you to get a little bit better. You know, if you can improve the quality of your sleep and get 10 extra minutes every night, well, that adds up to an hour a week. It's huge. And yeah. that adds up to 50 hours in a year. And that's hundreds and then thousands of hours over your lifetime. That makes a big, big difference. Every minute we can help you to sleep better and longer, that's going to help you. 
And so we don't want to be the nag. And in fact, it's also true that some people metabolize caffeine differently to others. Uh, some people metabolize alcohol differently to others, although usually too much, too close to going to bed is generally not a, a good thing. But we, we're not here to, to spoil your life and prevent you from living it. What we're here to do is to provide you with the support and you can make the judgments. And look, the odd night when I've got to travel and jet lag or I'm at a party, it's not going to do me any harm. Once I generally try my best to prioritize sleep in my life and I generally try to follow some of the advice, it's going to make it better. You know, there's no absolutes in this. And that's philosophically, we really, really believe that there's just no point in telling people you can't do all of these things. What instead we need to do is to try to keep people informed at the right time about the important things for them. You know, and often, you know, for example, in terms of exercise before going to bed, you generally need two or three hours of gap because after you exercise, it produces lots and lots and lots of positive feelings, emotions, even adrenaline. And that's not going to help you relax and go to sleep if it's too close. On the other hand, if you've had a very stressful day, a little exercise helps you to deal with that yes, much better. Yes. You know, so all of this is kind of nuanced. And what we're aiming to do through the digital platform is to learn and understand you and the things that are impacting your sleep, because that's probably different to mine. There are some generalizations which are probably universally true, but there are also, in essence, there are many things which are personal to us. So it's the, the, ultimately, the answer is in personalized interventions. Medicine is going that way. Like, how does anybody know that the same dosage of a drug is going to have the same impact on you versus me? You know, medicine is becoming more personalized because the data is going to enable it to become more precise and your sleep is just the same. For some people, when they drink coffee matters less. For other people, it has a huge impact on their sleep. That's what we aim to understand so that we can help you make the decisions for you to help you improve your sleep. But also, we want you to live and enjoy your life. I mean, that's why we sleep. That's what helps us to enjoy our life. So we're not trying to be, you know, party poopers. My advice for folks that want to track their sleep, which I think as we start to close the conversation, we'll talk more about lasting thoughts. But, you know, my advice for folks that are tracking their sleep is you got to track your sleep. Turn it off on Friday and Saturday night. <laughs> take a vac take a vacation, you know, like it, I was talking to a colleague who said, "Oh my gosh, you monitor your, you put your phone next to your bed and you're like you're bringing digital stuff into your your home and where I'm like, yeah, I want to get better sleep. No one else is going to be able to help me with that. I need to track it so I could manage it so I can optimize it. But I don't do that when it, I'm going to a wedding or a party. I just turn it off and I say, "You know what? Sleep score I'll turn you back on Sunday night. <laughs> uh, and honestly, that's great because yeah. five out of seven nights is fantastic. Yeah. You know. So, you know, the future mm. of sleep. What is the best future? And not just sleep score or the technologies we understand today, but, you know, what is the holy grail of sleep and people having a, a relationship with their sleep? Well, we work with a, a nonprofit partner called Sleeping Children Around the World. And their founder is a gentleman called Murray Dryden, who's passed away. But when he set up the charity, he and his wife were on a vacation in India and they saw these kids sleeping on the street and they felt it just wasn't right. And they went back to Canada, where they're from, Toronto, and they raised some money from their friends and they flew to India and they bought 
mattresses and pillows and mosquito nets for those kids. And ever since then, sleeping children around the world have basically helped 1.8 million children to improve their sleep just a little bit because, and he said, a day of hope begins with a good night's sleep. So I believe that to my tippy toes. When I get off a flight on the other side of the world, jet lagged and tired, I feel less hopeful. And when I feel less hopeful, I'm also cognitively impaired. I struggle more. I eat the wrong stuff. Give me sugar. Give me coffee. I just did this two weeks ago. Even though I understand and I know the fact is it's not my willpower. It's my hormones. It's yeah. anxiety, depression, a number of number of things. All those confidence, things happen, right? Confidence, yeah. So a day of hope begins with a good night's sleep. And that means everybody, everybody everywhere on the planet. So we think about this very broadly. How can we help people to get just a little bit of sleep to create just a little bit more hope to create longer term health? It's, it's such a positive thing. And part of that, you know, as we think about that, so how do we make that happen? Well, probably there's three parts to it, I think. The first thing is let's get some of the hot air out of the room. And let's get some data and science behind all of this. What actually works for who? Collect the data and continue the mission and get that data and partner with people that have great solutions and figure out who they work for and who they don't. And let's help them to connect their products to the people that they make a difference to and not to everybody, etc. Let's help people and companies to move some of the hot air and replace it with some data and science and evidence. Um, we think that's really important. Second thing is leverage the technologies we now have and make them better. So leveraging the smartphone, which now, you know, 3 billion people have a smartphone, let's leverage that so that those consumers with those smartphones, that they can get access to information about their sleep personally and what to do about it personally. Personalized interventions, that's really, really, really important. And then the part that gets me excited on top of all of that is predictive capabilities, because we know when you have a child, it has an impact on your sleep. We can give you advice on what to do. And then we know the point at which your child, him or herself, is going through school and what advice they need to help them with their sleep. And then we know, based on that information, if you're female, when you're roughly going to experience the symptoms of menopause, we know when you get to old age what's going to happen. We can predict these things. And when we can predict them, we can get in ahead of them and make a difference with them. We know that if people are managing their sleep for longer, it'll more likely help them to reduce the risk of chronic diseases. But we also know if they have chronic diseases, how their sleep is managed can have a huge impact on the outcomes that they achieve regardless of the disease or the condition. We can predict those things. Let's leverage the data and the science to predict those things longitudinally so that we can make a difference to everybody for the whole of life. Because it's the one thing we do every day from the time we're born till the time we die. We sleep every day. And we do it for such a fundamentally important reason. The better we do it, the better it will be. It's never too late to sleep a little bit better. It's never going to be a poor return on investment. It's probably the best investment you or I can ever make is to improve our own sleep. And what we'll promise to do is we will get sleep ourselves in Sleep Score Labs, but we will devote ourselves to solving that problem, to working with great companies until we've reached billions of people. And then we know we've made a difference. That's kind of how I see it. I'm a believer, Colin. The mission is a, an amazing mission. Thank you. So we're getting a, a 
to the end of time, just a couple things. What's one thing that folks, a piece of advice for folks that are struggling with sleep? Right. You know what? I'm going to give you two, if you don't mind. Yes, please. Download the app, of course. So find out for yourself. But really, I think the first thing is don't stress too much about it, right? Because the stress itself is, is not going to help make it any better. And instead, you know, look for some objective data to help you make some decisions about small adjustments that you can make to make your sleep better. You know, some people struggle with falling asleep. Some people struggle staying asleep. Some struggle with the quality in between. Some struggle because they're running two jobs and they just don't have the time to sleep. Some are dealing with a family or a work crisis and they're stressed. So I think the first thing is don't overstress about it because you can get help. We can help you. You can get help. The second thing, as much as you possibly can, try to maintain some degree of consistency in your sleep schedule. We are designed as humans to be consistent. And every time we change something with that, it has an impact. So if you are going to watch movies, try to stop watching the movies at a similar time most nights. If you are going to, you know, do whatever it is in your life, try your best to keep some degree of consistency. And that's probably going to help almost everybody. After that, it's personal. It depends on you. It depends on your, your issues, your lifestyle, your challenges, your sleep itself. And obviously, Sleep Score and the app and our partners can advise you. But I think there are two things I would say. Just don't stress about it too much because the stress itself is not going to make it any better. Stand back and get some objective information. And the piles of it. We're publishing it all the time in journals and conferences. There's piles of it. There's lots of practical things you can do to help you. Don't stress about it. And then try your best to be as consistent as you can be within reason. Those two things are universally helpful, I think, to everybody. Good advice. How can folks get a hold of you? So you can find us at sleepscore.com. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm Colin Lawler. You can find Sleepscore on LinkedIn. You can find me on Twitter. Colin J. Lawler. And any way that you can and want to reach out, please do. We have a phenomenal team throughout the company. Every one of us is on mission and we're here to help. And you're fairly active on LinkedIn. So we'll be spreading the commotion and some of the love on LinkedIn after this podcast is, uh, is over. Thanks so much, Derek. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Last question for you. If you had, I asked this of all my guests, if you had seven days to execute something, Mm -hmm. and you had unlimited resources, what would you focus on in those seven days? It could be anything in the world. It doesn't have to be about what we talked about today. I think in those seven days, I would meet with the seven brands that touch the most number of people's lives, and I would work with them to add sleep to what they do. And if I do that much, that together the eight of us and all of our existing partners, we will change the world. And that's what I would do. Because I actually think nobody alone can change the world, but a small group of committed people can achieve anything. And I really believe that. So I think that's what I would do. Yeah, I think I'd sit down seven people that reach the most number of people and we'd get to work. I love it, Colin. Thank you so much for uh, having me in your amazing office today in Carlsbad. The sun is out. It looks awesome. I'm wearing a t-shirt. It's going to probably get hot enough for me to uh, wear a pair of shorts, but I really enjoyed this. Thanks for having me here. Thanks so much for coming. And look, have great sleep as often as you can. It'll pay off. <laughs> Thanks, Colin. Thanks, Derek. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening today and having some fun with us on the podcast. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, please follow me on LinkedIn or at DRUSS Network, D-R-U-S-S Network on Twitter or Instagram. And you can also reach out to me anytime via email at Derek at thedatabinge.com. The Data Binge podcast is a personal thought form where we share knowledge and ideas. Views and opinions expressed here do not reflect those of my employer at Microsoft. I really hope you enjoyed. Thanks a lot.